It's time for the Stock Car Show on the Performance Motorsports Network. Powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Tom Baker. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Stock Car Show as we kick things off again here on the Performance Motorsports Network, Spreaker, and, of course, Race Chaser Media's Facebook Live. My name is Tom Baker, and I am joined at the table here in the race City USA Race Chaser Studios by Jacob Seelman from Speedsport, who was at Daytona all week. And uh, he and Kyle Suzu is joining us via the Race Chaser hotline. We're both uh, in Daytona. And, of course, Kyle also wandering around at New Smyrna doing some coverage for NASCAR home tracks over the week as well. So lots to talk about there. We've got Randy Miller behind the glass along with Chris Murdoch handling all of the audio and video production quite capably once again. And, of course, we remind you that this show is brought to you by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsports safety. You can find them on the web at hmsmotorsport.com. And we'll also tell you about my computer career a little later on as well. So we kick off our Daytona Review show. We'll have C.J. Leary, by the way, from the open wheel side of things, joining us a little later on in the program as well. He won during Speed Weeks, too. Yes, and uh, Jacob was also there. Jacob was everywhere last week in Florida. Um, Jacob was also there on Saturday night when C.J. won at Bubba Raceway Park uh, in Florida. And uh, he'll talk about that. It was a big win for C.J., first time with a new team. So, um we kick things off here as we get going this evening with, uh, of course, conversation about Daytona and uh, Kyle Souza joining us for the first uh, short while here on the program. And I guess I'll start with Kyle since uh, he is on the phone with us now. Kyle, you were down there and uh, you were specifically honed in on yesterday's Daytona 500. A big win for Denny Hamlin I'm curious your thoughts on that and also the race in general. Yeah, good evening, guys. Uh, a fitting end, uh, really, for the Daytona 500 to see JD's number 11 uh, and Denny Hamlin at victory lane. And I think uh, Joe Gibbs called it the most emotional win of his career, and that is goes with anything, not just in racing. We know he's won a lot uh, in the National Football League as well. So obviously a really big win for that Joe Gibbs racing team. Uh, really big win for Danny Hamlin, too, and that this kind of brings up the conversation now, uh, you know, with that JD situation, and they're kind of putting that in the rearview mirror now, uh, having won the Daytona 500, not only winning, but having a 1-2-3 finish. The second discussion I've kind of been thinking about today on my plane ride back to the snow was, does this make Danny Hamlin a Hall of Famer, uh, even though he hasn't won a title, uh, breaking into some pretty deep territory there by winning his second Daytona 500, and he did it in just three or four years, uh, which I think is a pretty big deal as well. Uh, my thought overall in the race, a pretty good race, honestly, compared to what we saw the rest of the weeks. Uh, 90% of the Daytona 500 I felt entertained. Uh, the last 10% of the race, though, maybe not so much. A lot of red flags there and carnage. Uh, but as you come to expect when drivers are chasing uh, the Harwood JRL Trophy. Jacob, I know you were there as well. A different perspective for me. Uh, you were down in the infield in the media center. I was up in the press box taking in the fan perspective, I guess you can call it, with the grandstands right outside. And a lot of people there at the end of that race in front of the press box cheering out a guy that I know me and you have both covered and Tom as well. 
the modified ranks and a guy that I'm really impressed with yesterday, Ryan Priest, avoiding those wrecks. Uh, and coming home with a really strong finish in his first restrictor plate race. Of course you mentioned Ryan Priest first off as a specific, but yeah, I've got a lot of things. There's a lot of things to unpack in everything you uh, just mentioned, and since I haven't had a chance to say it, good evening, everybody out there, (laughs) um, because I'm back from my odyssey that I was on the last week. Yes. (sighs) That's my first thought, because (laughs) it was a long week I'm sure it was. in Daytona Beach. Yeah. It was fun, but it was a very long week. And Kyle kind of kind of said where I was going. My first immediate thoughts from Speed Weeks 2019 is that Sunday's Daytona 500 basically saved what was otherwise a really forgettable Speed Weeks at Daytona International Speedway as far as I'm concerned. The truck race on Friday night was an absolute wreck fest mess. Um, the duels Thursday before that, save for Joey Logano being a hero on the last lap, were a snoozers. The Xfinity race on Saturday put me to sleep by lap 40. God bless Michael Annette for winning, but it's still, it was, that was bad. It was just bad. And everybody in the media center, I feel like, had basically predispositioned themselves that we were going to not have a very entertaining or very fun Daytona 500 on Sunday. That's what they get for thinking. And as you just said, that couldn't have been further from the truth. This race from the drop of the green flag was, in my own words, fantastic. It had everything I feel like you should want out of a Daytona 500. It had two wide racing. It had three wide racing at times which made us all a little bit nervous, as it tends to do at Daytona. You had underdog stories. You had dominant drivers. You had an underdog story who was the dominant driver. You had guys who were looking for their first 500. You had guys who were looking for multiple 500s. And at the end of the day, you had the Hollywood ending or the storybook that Joe Gibbs correctly called a miracle after the race because at the end of the day, I think there was a little extra push there, maybe, that because of circumstances, just kind of let it all work out the way it was supposed to. Of course, Denny Hamlin winning the race in memory of the late J.D. Gibbs, carrying J.D.'s number, the number 11, and for Joe Gibbs Racing, who less than a month ago lost one of their leaders, this was the night where everything got better finally, Tom, or at least started to get better. This was the night to pay tribute for everything that J.D. Gibbs did and meant to that company. Randy, do you feel like uh, Daytona and Speed Weeks was forgettable? I mean, what are your thoughts on yesterday's race? No, actually, I enjoyed the The Xfinity race was a little bit boring for me, but the other two that races was forgettable. absolutely lived up to all of the hype of Daytona, definitely. Yeah, I thought so, too. I I thought the week was great. I mean, the duels were a little bit uneventful, but I guess I would want it that way because you don't want to crash a bunch of Daytona 500 cars. And um, I thought the truck race was fantastic, despite being a wreck fest. I thought it was a fantastic race. Really enjoyed that. Um, The Xfinity race, I thought, was a snoozer. But, um, I, you know, I mean, what do you do? Uh, Last year we had five overtimes, and this year we – had no race at all, really. It was just single file the last few laps. Um, happy for Michael Annette. 
and I thought the Daytona 500 yesterday was awesome. Uh, you know, would have hoped maybe for um, just a little bit less of disaster at the end, but, uh, you know, certainly that goes along with pack racing. We, we'll break this down further here uh, as we move along mm-hmm. in the program. Kyle, uh, you, were, you were there yesterday, and I think probably one of the Hollywood stories, we'll, we'll talk more about Hamlin winning and the whole J.D. Gibbs part of it in a bit, but I feel like one of the big Hollywood stories yesterday was Matt DiBenedetto and the job he did in the Levine Family Racing 95 car he really put on a show and the number of laps he led the amount of time he spent running up in the front you know until he was taken out i thought he he was on his way to potentially winning that 500. yeah i agree and a pleasant surprise uh really for me i think i tweeted that at one point during the race really a pleasant surprise um somebody that i I knew had some speed but i I wasn't really sure jacob that he was going to be able to dominate that race like he did for a while And, and i'm not so so sure that it should be a surprise i mean that team uh rebranding basically putting themselves in a lot better position going into the season definitely not you know showing us that he's going to go out and win a ton of races this year because it's daytona but uh a very strong run for him and really you're right tom in a good position to have a shot at winning that race if that big melee doesn't happen in turn three i know paul menard taking full blame for that um but jacob de benedetto obviously i think uh a story I read earlier today said he was heartbroken. Uh, just a complete heartbreak for him to lead that many laps on the biggest stage in a brand new team, brand new car, and not only to end, you know, with a with a bad finish, but really to end with a destroyed race car that even if they didn't win the Daytona 500 with, mm-hmm. was going to be usable at least somewhere else. But now I'm not so sure that he's still <laughs> after that carnage in turn three. Randy almost had an attaboy because he picked Iberito to win. So yeah, Randy almost had an attaboy. I um, think I'm almost as heartbroken as he is. <laughs> I, 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 I will correct you, however, Kyle. Uh, Denny Hamlin lost a car and many of the field lost a car, but those cars can't be used anywhere else because when we go to Talladega in May or end of April – it's a completely different rules packages package, and the teams have said they have to build the cars completely different. This was the last yeah. race with this package and these cars. Most of the teams said that even if they hadn't wrecked on Sunday, these cars were going to the scrap heap anyways because they can't take them to Talladega. Yeah, and I think that's in the whole other discussion, uh, probably for a different time. The question I have now with Daytona is, what are we going to see at Talladega after watching what we saw yesterday? I'm not so sure it can get much better than that. I mean, what? they were too wide, three wide at times in the middle of the second half of that race. I mean, I'm not so sure that the that new package can be much better. I know the rest of the week, especially the duels, maybe even the clash, weren't really up to par. But when you get 40 cars out there, and I think we heard this in the media center after the race from a couple drivers, when you get 40 cars out there, they're going to dice it up. And the last 50 laps or so of that race, I mean, it was anybody's ball game until we started wrecking cars, and then it was really... Joe Gibbs versus Joe Logano, it felt like, type deal. Huh. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure what, what that's going to mean going forward to Talladega. Well, just, just I know we're getting ready to go to break. Just to be clear here, um, two, two things to kind of put a bow on everything you said. Uh, number one, when we started wrecking cars, it was Joe Gibbs versus the world, and, Joe, and it was only versus Joey Logano because his Ford friend at the end didn't go with him. 
that I think that was the unfortunate thing. The second thing that I'm gonna just pose rhetorically, Tom, is Kyle. Why are you at? Why, why are you asking me about Talladega when we got three races to unpack after the break? That's my don't, yeah. don't rush it. Come on now. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I always look ahead. It's a good it's a good question to ponder for as we go forward here. Right now, we're going to to step aside for a bit. When we come back, we're going to talk about the McDowell Logano situation. I have some thoughts on that. And I'm sure everyone else does too. And much more as we are just getting started on the Stock Car Show for tonight, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You can find them on the web at hmsmotorsport.com. We'll be right back. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! <gasps> it's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Here's an important message from Rad and this station. Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more. But the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. Hi, I'm Tyler Reddick, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show here on Performance Motorsports Network and Spreaker, as well as our Race Chaser 
Media Facebook Live page. However, you're watching or listening to the show, we appreciate it. We're glad to have you with us. Uh, Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, and we've got Chris Murdoch and Randy Miller on the other side in the Tech Shed Handling Production. Kyle Souza on the phone with us from NASCAR Home Tracks, and uh, he handled our Race Chaser online coverage yesterday from Daytona. We thank him very much for that. Kyle, um, okay, I'm going to, again, I'm going to start with you here because a little bit of controversy erupted um, after the race and then subsequently has been discussion on social media throughout the last you know 24 hours or so uh toward the end of the race michael mcdowell was in contention for the win as was joey logano had a restart the last restart and mcdowell rather than going with joey logano chose to go with kyle bush uh the two of them then had a brief uh, brief discussion after the race about it what are your thoughts as to McDowell's choice to not go with his Ford teammate, note my air quotes for those of you watching the video, um, versus uh, going with Kyle Busch. Kyle, Souza? Yeah, I'm 50-50 I'm, I'm on this. Uh, and I had to watch it back, actually, this afternoon when I got back and, and unpacked from 10 days in Florida, which, by the way, was sunny and warm, as Jacob can probably attest to. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Whatever. But... <laughs> Looking back at the tape, I've watched it two or three times this afternoon and a couple times again this evening uh, when I was eating dinner. And I'm not so sure that they really had a shot to win the race either way. Uh, I know that Logano a little bit frustrated that McDowell didn't go with him, and I can understand that frustration. Uh, I think the bigger deal there at the end was I'm really not convinced at all that they were going to pass Benny Hamlin. Uh, the president that I had seen in the last 20 or so laps was Hamlin's going to get out front. Before him, it was Kyle Busch is going to get out front. And it's going to take more than one or two guys to gang up and pass them. And I think talking with a couple of drivers after the race and talking with some fellow media on the way out, uh, I think it was going to take more than just one guy pushing Joey Logano. And the matter of that is simply because there weren't many cars left on the track at the end of the race that were really in the draft. Uh, and I think that yep. plays a much bigger role that people think. And I think when you go back and look at the duels on Thursday, there's only 18 or 20 cars in the race, and that might be part of the reason that it produces single-file racing, just simply because the, the disruption of the air isn't as big in a shorter race like that with smaller amounts of cars. And we kind of saw that at the end of the race with the guys, even some of the guys that were out there, even Logano, had damage. So uh, should Vendal have gone with them? I don't know. I mean, yeah, certainly as a Ford, you know, air quote teammate guy um yeah you'd expect them to go with him but on the mm -hmm. flip side i also expect michael mcdowell to make moves that he thinks is going to win him the race uh which he felt that he did i saw a video on twitter of him talking uh just after he hopped out of the car and he said hey i'm not paid to push joe Lugano to the win i'm paid to get the best finish i can for myself and it didn't pay off for him the movie made but uh, i guess in the end it's worth a shot he's got to do what he thinks at that time is best and these are split second decisions these are not well-thought-out decisions at 200 miles an hour on a two-and-a-half-mile, 31-degree banking track. Well, our chat generally agrees. Um... <laughs> Hank, please, because, uh, may I? Because I was actually in the middle of the Michael McDowell, Joey Logano well, thing on Well, let me, let me get some of the chat folks in, then you, you can follow up. Last couple laps should be every man for himself, says Justin Sullivan. Brett Guzik, unfortunate to see not much help for McDowell out there with one of the cleanest cars on track. He just got hung out to dry too many times. Um, and uh, Jonathan Heitzman got to go with the best chance to win. And so um, you say... 
All right. I say I, w I was actually standing right near the uh, 34 and 22 when all of that broke out. Uh, and uh, he and Joey had a little bit of a discussion, we'll call it, after the race. And Michael was very emphatic in a point that I agree with. And I'm about to piss off a lot of Ford uh, faithful when I say this. Michael McDowell is 100% correct to do what he did, and Joey Logano can whine, 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 and wah, wah, wah all the way home. I'm sick and tired of this one Ford philosophy, even at the end of these races. It is every man for themselves. It is NASCAR's biggest race. You do what you have to do to win the Daytona 500. I applaud Michael McDowell for not going with Joey Logano because as he said to me immediately after the race one-on-one, -on -one, Joey had damage. And Michael did not believe that Joey was going to be strong enough as the lead car to be able to draft up and take a shot at the win and give him a shot at the win. I'm done with these manufacturer games. We need to get back to drivers actually racing for drivers. Randy, do you agree or disagree? <laughs> Somebody, somebody's angry tonight. I am uh, Jacob, angry Jacob's tonight. Jacob's triggered no, tonight. I, if you're Michael McDowell, I mean, obviously he's right. You go with the person that is, is likely going to get you to the front. So, I mean, if he, if he saw that Joey had damage, obviously – Damaged race car at Daytona, your arrow is not as good, so you think, okay, Kyle's going to be the one that's going to get me there. I don't think that, I mean, obviously no one caught Denny Hamlin anyway, so at the end it doesn't really matter, but, I mean, you got to go with who's going to give you the best chance to win, so. And, and I agree with I agree with all that, 100%. I, look, I mean, I think a lot of times Joey, you know, Joey gets a bad rap because he's Joey, but um, but this time I, I don't agree with him. I, I understand you like help from your guys that are in your club, so to speak. But and if it were if it were Brad Keselowski, then I could also understand that better to a point. But because of the damage Joey had, um, Michael's got to do what he thinks he needs to do to win a race. And frankly, um, I think he made the right choice, even though it didn't result in what he had hoped for, of course. But um, you know, I think going with Kyle was definitely in that circumstance the the right thing to do. Okay, Kyle, Susan, because I know we only have you for a um, short amount of time here, I want to give you a chance here. We've got about uh, four or five minutes left. I want to give you a chance to talk about New Smyrna just a little bit because uh, you spent a lot of time there, Modifieds especially. Talk about the week that was at the World Series for the Mods. Yeah, great week down there. Uh, Tom, really, uh, the beginning of the World Series, unfortunately, we, well, we ran the opener on Friday night without problem. Saturday and Sunday, a washout, um, a ridiculous amount of rain in just a couple of days, and really a, a down uh, to what looked like was going to be a phenomenal nine nights of racing. Well, we ended up racing seven nights, five of them, as you mentioned, uh, the Tour Tate Modifieds in town. And we started the week with a really, really strong field of cars, a mix of Race of Champions cars, NASCAR Wheel of Modified Tour, Valenti Modified Series, Tri-Track Regulars, uh, a, a wide variety uh, of different modified drivers down there. And, and the bigger names going into it, we knew were going to be threats. Guys like Doug Kobe going back down there uh, really for the first time in his career to run the full week. Ryan Priest was going to run a couple races. Matt Hirschman was going to be down there again looking for another title. I think the guy that a lot of us really overlooked going into the week was Chuck Hossfeld. 
Uh, and he was Mr. Consistency. And he didn't win a race during the week, but he did what he needed to do uh, every night. Had about a top five car, I'd say, bottom of the top five just about every night. And in the end, uh, he wins the championship for the week. His second career title, uh, his first one was back in 2012. Uh, and really, Chuck kind of putting a couple people on surprise throughout the week. As I said, a lot of speed in practice, enough speed in qualifying in the race to stay towards the front. And Hostel wins the short tank mod title. I think the bigger story out of this week, though, guys, Friday night, just before the Richie Evans 100, I talked to Phil Moran, the crew team for Doug Colby, and he was thrilled with what they had found in their setups down there at New Smyrna. told me it was a lot of money to go down, a lot of time out of the shop, and a lot of time for the crew members, but 100% worth it. He feels like they learned a ton, and they are much better off going into the 2019 season. And that could spell trouble for guys on the Wheel of Modified Tour. Well, Jay, <laughs> Jacob, anytime you hear Phil Moran saying something like that, that should be bad news for the competition. Uh-huh. Um, but uh-huh. I, he, uh-huh. he mentioned Hosfeld. I thought Hosfeld and uh, Money Matt were really big stories out of that division all week. Uh, yeah. And you're surprised at this because why? Oh, I'd say I was mean, surprised. I'm just let's, let's I thought it was the truth. I, I I think the only thing I'm surprised about here is that Hosfeld didn't manage to actually win a race. But you know, <laughs> I, I'm very, I, I'm actually really happy to see him get back to a World Series title. I think it's long overdue, and I yeah. think it's a good step in the right direction for that team. As far as the big race of the week goes, the Richie Evans 100. I mean, Matt Hirschman. Yeah. We we call him big money for a reason, yeah. don't we, Kyle? And I'll be honest with you, there's a part of me that says and has always said in regards to the World Series that the points championship is great, yes, but the big races are the ones that matter, and Matt Hirschman took away all the spoils of everything. He took the Blewett Memorial and he took the Richie Evans 100. As far as I'm concerned, that puts himself, that puts Hirschman head and shoulders above everybody for the entire week. Yeah, and, and I think the bigger story out of that, not only winning those two races, but winning three in a row to wrap the week. Uh, and he had a car that definitely could have won on Monday, and Doug Kobe, who won the first race of the week on Monday, even said he thought Matt Hirschman was just as good, if not better. Tuesday, I think the bigger story out of all this, Jacob, you mentioned Matt Hirschman, they were caught up in a bad wreck on Tuesday, and it looked like Tuesday night when I left the facility, they weren't sure they were going to be able to run anymore during the week that bent the frame i mean they had a significant amount of damage they had welders tape measures uh just about everything you could think of out tuesday night and through you know a good chunk of wednesday getting that car back together he dominates uh the richie evans 100 he pretty much dominated thursday and i know the bullet memorial he ran second to ryan priest for a lot of it but when it was go time it was go time it was go that one as well definitely uh And, and i think go ahead kyle and I just think that overall, you're right, Jacob. I know Chuck Hossfeld won that title, but I think Matt's the big money story mm-hmm. again uh, and a couple of the bigger money races and the, and the bigger prestige races, he does it again. I know he didn't win that title, but if he didn't finish, if he didn't DNF Tuesday, even if he finished eighth or ninth, he walks away with that championship Absolutely. Uh, rather easily. Absolutely. So, that, that's that, the main thing for me. That crash was the one thing that derailed his title. Otherwise, it's Matt Hirschman all week. 
And with that, man, Kyle, I wish we had you for a little longer tonight, but we appreciate you jumping on and sticking with us for a couple segments anyway. And thanks again for the coverage on Race Chaser Online. We really appreciated it. You did a great job yesterday. Uh, and that is Kyle Souza as he heads off. He is, uh, you're going to be, of course, uh, seeing all his stuff on NASCAR home tracks throughout the year once again, and hopefully more with Race Chaser as well. With that, we step aside. More Daytona talk when we come back. This is the Stock Car Show here on PMN Radio, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You can find them on the web at hmsmotorsport.com. Be right back. Do you love the sound of high revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels new to intermediate to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, Camping World Truck, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Schubert Helmets, Schrope Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS has the right product for your type of racing and your budget. Their representatives are experts on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the HMS staff is always ready to take the time to help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. What an awesome game. What's up with your car? I don't know. It won't start. How are we getting home? Chill. My parents signed me up for the roadside assistance from Lewis Meineke. It was free with my oil change. They'd come and get the car started or get us home and tow the car to the shop. Good to know. With my driving, my parents never know what to expect. When you join the Meineke Car Care Club with a $35 preferred service, you get four free months of roadside assistance, including tire change, battery jump, lockout service, towing, and more. Contact Lewis Meineke, located on Route 1, or call 827-2054. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, is a lung disease that robs people of their ability to breathe. 
As many as 24 million Americans suffer from COPD, also known as chronic bronchitis or emphysema, and half of them don't know they have the disease. If you or someone you love is over 35 and has smoked more than 100 cigarettes in their lifetime, visit driveforcopd.org and take the screener, then take that to your doctor. I'm Jeff Stoltz, and I drive for COPD. Hi, this is Austin Terrio, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You can find them on the web at hmsmotorsport.com. If you have anything that you need with regard to driver safety gear, whether it is a head and neck restraint, a helmet, gloves, seats, shoes, belts, Whatever it is, uh, you can find it at hmsmotorsport.com. And they have two locations if you want to go visit one of them in person. One here in Mooresville, North Carolina, and one up in Danvers, Massachusetts. Uh, We really appreciate uh, everything that HMS Motorsport does to help um, make this show happen. We'll tell you about our other sponsors later. Right now, though, as much as we enjoyed all the festivities over the weekend... Um, was a couple of things that we would like to address here. First of all, today, of course, is uh, the 18th anniversary of the day that we lost Dale. Um, And I don't think that you could go through a conversation about the Daytona 500 without thinking back to 1998. Um, Every man on every crew... uh, you know, all of Came all of out that. to the edge of pit road uh, to congratulate yep. the man who's yep. won everything there is to win in this sport except this race until, until today. today. Yeah. Um, <coughs> appropriate that I got um, a chance to catch up with Mike Joy before uh, Sunday's Daytona 500. Well, and, and, you know, Mike called that so eloquently. And I think, you know, every year we, we think about Daytona, you will always think about Dale, I think. And, and, uh, you know, his presence at Daytona was always large. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of course, uh, 2001, just a uh, uh, boy, it w- there was a piece of NASCAR that died uh, on that day that there's a void that you'll just never fill. Um, and as we remember Dale, I think also we need to take time to remember a gentleman who passed away over the weekend who in his own way, I think, <sighs> Uh, affected the sport in just such a big way and a positive way. Sam Bass passed away uh, after a long uh, battle with kidney disease. And, um, you know, I I had the chance to meet Sam a couple of times. Jacob, I know you did as well. I'd actually just talked to Sam a couple months ago. He just was, Sam was one of the nicest gentlemen that you will ever meet anywhere in your life. And, Loved racing, had a great passion for it. Of course, his talent uh, in designing and, and putting the artwork together is just unmatched. And um, to think that there will be no more Sam Bass artwork is just, to me, uh, also a very sad day for the sport. But, um, you know, Sam, I, I feel like this is one of those situations where you don't like to see someone's quality of life be affected the way that Sam's yeah. was. And I just, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's, uh, 
we certainly are going to miss Sam. You, That's for uh, sure. So, so just to be clear, I'm going to tackle this in two stages because you gave me a lot to unpack there. Um, I try. <laughs> first, I'm going to circle back to uh, today being February 18th and, and the anniversary of Black yep. Sunday. Um, for me, there are a couple of th- – there are two – maybe three phrases in all my years of being in and around NASCAR that are embedded in my brain that will just never leave. One of them we actually just we, yeah. we just went through, every yeah. man on every crew. Yeah. Um, I got the, choked up saying it. The second, of course, uh, as Mike so eloquently put it, again, uh, 20 years of trying, 20 years of frustration, Dale Earnhardt comes yeah. to the caution flag to win the Daytona 500, and then – uh, that third phrase that's burned into my memory forever came on February 18th, 2001, when Mike Kelton came up to the podium yep. and said those words that now live pretty much in infamy as far as NASCAR fans go, uh, that this is undoubtedly the hardest announcement I've ever personally had to make after the accident in turn four at the end of the Daytona 500, we've, we've lost, lost Dale, Dale Earnhardt. Yep. NASCAR has lost its greatest driver ever, and I have lost a close friend. And I think that second statement that Mike made is the one that really hits home every time we go through February 18th yep. because Dale's impact on the sport was not just as a driver. He was one of those people within the sport that everybody in one way or another could relate to or associate with whether you loved him or whether you hated him you had a reason to connect with him and for me I think that's why when when Black Sunday happened that's why it rocked the sport to its core because as was said in the days that followed NASCAR's compass lost its north. That was actually said on that evening when Fox came back on. What came back on for, during uh, 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 what? I forgot what it was, but they had a little, na- yeah, little what's, what's, update. Yeah, what's now? What's now NASCAR Victory Lane on FS1? Yeah. John Roberts hosted it at the time. I think that was Mike Joy that actually was, said yeah, that. Yeah, was because I was thinking, sitting here thinking, <clears throat> you missed one of the the iconic lines. Yeah, NASCAR's compass has, has lost, lost its, its true north. north. Yep. And uh, again, you you're right. Whether you liked Dale or you didn't like Dale, you you focused on Dale. You paid attention to Dale, and mm-hmm. you know Dale was the face of the sport, and he was Absolutely. ten feet tall and bulletproof. Mm-hmm. You know, and he came at a time when the sport was ready to explode, and it was in large part because of him mm-hmm. and his connection to the hard-working man, uh, you know, in America, um, that, that I think the sport did explode. Yeah. You know, I would agree with that. I, it's, (laughs) it's funny. It's, it's funny that we bring this up and have this show happen tonight because of all things to come across my listening playlist on the way home from Daytona this afternoon was actually the documentary uh, the day documentary yeah. that Fox Sports did in regards to the 2001 Daytona 500, and I was listening to that actually in the last couple hours of my drive, 
And what you just said actually was echoed by Marty Smith from ESPN in that documentary. You know, it couldn't happen to Dale. Yeah. You looked at him and you said, no, it's not possible. And yet there it was. Well, and, you know, here just this past week, we had the Fox special Unrivaled. Mm-hmm. about the rivalry and I'll tell you Dale I finally got a chance to see the re-air incredible. of that and that was fantastic and you know I don't think people had any idea how closely the two of them were linked and how much of that right. was actually the two of them kind of in a way kind of orchestrating it or or amplifying it yeah. you know they knew what was going on they they were aware of its effect on the fans and mm-hmm. You know, it it really was an interesting relationship that Dale and Jeff Gordon had. So, yeah, certainly um, a big loss. I mean, Dale is Dale's presence will always be a part of our sport Absolutely. through, of course, Dale Jr. And, and all of the other folks who, you know, were around in that period. Yeah. And but and Sam Bass, of course. Um, oh, my gosh. Just, yeah. Yeah. If I can get to. Yeah, I, I know I'm going to push this segment long and I'm sorry. But if I can go back now to the second part of what we were talking about with Sam Bass, um, there were a couple emotional parts to uh, to this weekend for me in, in terms of that, actually, uh, not the least of which was Sunday morning in the hours leading up to the Daytona 500. Uh, Jake Owen, who played the 500 pre-race show um, at the Speedway, was introduced in a media press conference yeah. on Sunday morning, and this was really what got me choked up. Um Chip Weil, the track president at Daytona, and the rest of the staff have a tradition of annually presenting the uh, musical act or guest guest artist that performs the Daytona 500 pre-race show with a Sam, a Bass, Sam guitar. Bass guitar. Yep. And it got me when Chip Weil said to Jake Owen, we're presenting you with the last. Yeah. Sam Bass guitar yeah. and that that it didn't just get me I was sitting next to Dustin Long and Nate Ryan and it it got all of us that were in that little uh yeah. little circle there and how appropriate it was on Sunday I I I hated to see William Byron collected in one of the big ones there close to the end of the race but how appropriate it was to see one of Sam uh, one of Sam's paint schemes yeah. in William Byron's Flames car not only lead the field to green in the Daytona 500 on Sunday, but to contend to lead laps and to be yep. a powerhouse the way he was, uh, I just thought it was a very fitting tribute. There will not be anybody that comes along, I don't think, ever in the sport again that takes to artwork the way that Sam did and provides to the sport in the way that he did. Sam Bass didn't do it for the glory. Sam Bass did it for pure love of the sport and pure love of the gift that he was given to provide that artwork to the teams, to the fans, to the drivers. And that, that selflessness is what always stuck out to me about Sam and what I'm going to miss the most. We will always remember Sam Bass and we will never forget Dale Earnhardt. We will be back with more of the Stock Car Show. We go back to Daytona for more conversation from throughout the weekend when we return. Stick around.
Everywhere you go, you hear it, and you see it. It's coming at you through your phone, your tablet, and your computer. It's broadcast from your favorite radio station, TV networks, and cable companies. It's in the stadiums, the arenas, the ballparks. It screams for your attention at the mall. It's interactive on Main Street. It's even coming at you from the gas pump at the nearby convenience store. What is it? It's digital content. It's digital content. It's digital content. Somebody has to create it. Somebody has to manage it. So whether your dream is to write it, design it, create it, call it, produce it, voice it, host it, light it, shoot it, switch it, record it, color correct it, edit it, code it, repurpose it, tweet it, blog it, post it, compress it, upload it, replay it, or make sure it gets to where it's got to go when it's got to get there in the format it's got to be in, you need to attend Carolina School of Broadcasting. The skills you will learn, the experience you will get, and the connections you will make at Carolina School of Broadcasting will open the doors to the career you want in digital content creation and digital content management. Call or come by today. Click csbradiotv.edu. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speeds, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. This is a test to find out if you know it all when it comes to children. Name one of the leading killers of U.S. children age 1 to 13. What's the best way to protect children in a car crash? At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat? Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Ben Rhodes, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. All right, welcome back to the Stock Car Show as we uh, bob and weave to Jim Croce and uh, Ben Rhodes bringing us back from the break. 99. 99. I couldn't get used to that Friday. Number 99. I could not get used to that. I'm. I, that's one of my favorite numbers, so I'm happy to see him carrying the 99 on there. Um, anyway, welcome back to the Stock Car Show. Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, Randy Miller, Chris Murdoch also behind the proverbial glass uh and he is punching all the video buttons correctly we um we go back and we'll revisit the 500 a little bit later but uh we want to talk about the xfinity race we're kind of going i guess we're it's it's a little bit of devolution here as we go backwards instead of forwards in time a lot Um, of cars did that on sunday yeah (laughs) (laughs) the number of them involuntarily um the xfinity race on saturday of course uh not nearly as much excitement as maybe one would have envisioned. Right. Um, but 
I think a lot of stories in this race. You better believe that. Nonetheless, Jacob, and I know you're anxious to talk a little bit about this race. You were there. Yeah. I'm going to defer to you. Go ahead and start us off, um, and we'll hit Randy. So. Well, we won't hit him. We'll go to him. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you don't. <laughs> um, Please don't. This is something that I've actually thought a lot about today is the Xfinity race and, and the ending, and even though it wasn't necessarily an exciting race, the storyline and the, the prevailing storyline of this race, it's actually appropriate that we're talking about it on tonight's show because it draws another parallel back about 18 years. Stop and consider that Saturday's race was the first win for a driver in Michael Annette who has been knocked down, beat around, just sure you know, the sport has basically chewed him up, spit him out two or three different times, and yet he's hung around, he's hung in, and just needed somebody to believe in him. And Dale Earnhardt Jr. took the chance. He believed in him. Even when the going got tough last year, he didn't give up on Michael Annette, and they stayed the course. And then all the pieces came together Saturday, and Michael Annette went to victory lane at the biggest facility on the circuit, with an owner who believed in him enough and believed that he had the ability to give him a chance to prove it. Well, now, Junior talked about that. Yeah, and, and he did. Well, the Michael Waltrip's win. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. And how, not just interesting, but how perfect a parallel it is that we sat there on Saturday and sit here tonight talking about an Earnhardt who took a chance on a Michael that just wanted to prove himself and was 0 for 344 across NASCAR's top three series prior to Saturday when 18 years earlier, and Earnhardt took a chance on a Michael who was 0 for, 4, for 462 and won at Daytona in a very similar fashion. Of course, the tragic events of 2001 kind of overshadowed that at the time. But for me, just sitting here thinking about that parallel and going, my gosh, we're sitting here going through it again 18 years later. And I love it. Quite frankly, I love that Dale Earnhardt Jr. kept faith in Michael Annette, and I love that Michael Annette was able to go out and prove, at least on this day, that he belonged to be there yeah. and he belonged in victory yeah. lane. And, Randy, I, I think interesting for Annette, you changed the number from 5 to 1. Yeah, really. You bring Travis Mack in. Which started midway through last year, by yeah, the way. As as your crew chief, um, but first time through with with at a, at a uh, Daytona Xfinity race, and all of a sudden he looks like a different driver. I mean, he didn't just walk into this; he held everybody back for the last forty five you know, forty five or fifty laps and looked great out there. Honestly, Randy, it's true. It's it's renewed focus. But you you know, last year we sat here and, and every week it seemed like we talked about you know what's the future of Michael Lynette? You know, he's not winning races, he's not performing, he's the lowest performing yeah. driver at Junior Motorsports. And then he caps it off with, you know, starting 2019 with a, with a win. 
and one of probably the biggest win of his life, or the mm-hmm. only win he's had so far. But I mean, the biggest win he's probably going to have in quite some time, unless he wins the championship. But um, you know, now he's locked into the chase, and you know, you've you've got to to sit here and and think, you know, during the off season, you're making all those changes. Junior, obviously, as Jacob said, believed in this, believed yeah. enough in Michael and that to go. All right, you know what? We're going to give you the absolute best equipment we can give you we're going to give you the best crew chief the best car the best team the best everything you can possibly have change your number kind of re almost reproduct or re uh, Re, repackage yeah michael annette into a almost a brand new driver and he goes out and wins a race i I like to think it's it's more like rebooting they rebooted it well and not just they rebooted him i feel like michael annette rebooted himself in a way too because he mentioned that uh you know, there's been a change in him, and Dale said he's seen it. Travis said he's seen it. Michael said probably the spark was going to uh, Las Vegas last year, not in a position to be in the playoffs, and how devastating that was. And, you know, the vow he made before those last seven races to make sure that that never yep. happened again. And at least this year, he doesn't have to worry about that. He is locked into the playoffs for 2019. He will have a shot to deliver Junior Motorsports a championship. And that's a big statement for a driver that I honestly, and I'll be the first to, to you know, eat some crow on this one, I honestly believe could have been out the door at Junior Motorsports at the end of last year. Well, Look at, look at the difference one race can make. Yeah, what do we know? Uh, Michael and Ed getting the win. Justin Allgaier finishing up in second. I don't think a, a big surprise no, there. Just, and Justin said that he was thrilled for Michael. If he couldn't win, that, course, that was exactly who he win. wanted yeah. to win. And, of course, Brandon Jones taking home third. A good yeah. run for him. Great run for JGR. But here's my story of the race, and yeah. it's really two parts. Finishing fourth, the 39 of Ryan Sieg. Finishing seventh. The 93 of Jeff Green, team cars for Sieg Racing, and you've got a driver in Sieg who nobody ever talks about. But he does a good but job. He, he just He's keeps consistent. trucking along. Sure. Yeah. He does. And and then you have Jeff Green. 56-year-old yeah. Jeff Green. <laughs> who probably needed oxygen after the race. <laughs> no, he was good. I talked was he? to him. <laughs> yeah, he was good. And Jeff... Jeff bringing home a top 10 finish, Sieg Racing, who knew? I mean, that's that's a, a, a great story for the, for those two guys it was, it was for his, that team. Yeah, it was his first top 10 finish, the first top 10 finish for Jeff Green since 2017 and only his third top 10 finish since 2005. Yeah. J- just, to, just to tell you how tough of a slog it's been the last couple of years, but to be clear, he's had at least one top 10 finish finish in uh, in every, in three of the last four seasons but this was his first top 10 driving for RSS racing and I think that's a big deal because they Ryan Sieg has had Jeff Green in one of his cars for uh, you know for basically all of right. last year and to see him go out and uh, you know have a great run it's his best finish in the Xfinity series since a seventh place finish with Rick Ware racing at Daytona in 2016 this is a big deal it is a big deal and uh, in between there you had Austin Sindrick and fifth chris bell in sixth good run uh for those two though i I think probably both of them would tell you it wasn't where they would have liked to have finished oh no and they were both frustrated with the way that race ended but let's uh let's also hit a couple of other stories here first of Mm -hmm. all you had ross chastain driving a team car which he's going to do a few times this year to justin haley in college racing now justin and ross will each want a segment 
to start off the race and both in contention, Ross in contention till very late. Um, I thought he did a fantastic job. And of course, Jeffrey Earnhardt, I think, did himself proud as well. My gosh, did um, he ever. Starting, you know, front row and uh, running well throughout the event. Um, it was neat to see Jeffrey get mm -hmm. a shot like that and again prove that uh, we don't. Uh, all know as much as we think we did because no. uh, Jeffrey certainly showed us that at least on a plate track he can uh, contend. Well, okay, so that goes to one of the big stories of the Xfinity Series all weekend long. Jeffrey Earnhardt not only leading 29 of the first 30 laps and uh, getting passed by Justin Haley and yep. Ross Chastain, that uh, freight train coming to the green checkered flag in stage one. Um, but the, Jeffrey already had nine races in the Joe Gibbs Racing yep. 18 car this season. He has since picked up five more Xfinity races and two cup races in the biggest announcement of, it, of all of Speed Weeks, as far as I'm concerned, with, uh, with his sponsor actually starting a NASCAR Xfinity Series team. They will debut at Texas Motor Speedway coming up at the end of March and run both Talladega Cup races as well as five NASCAR Xfinity Series races this season in addition to the nine races he runs with JGR. That, to me, is a big deal. Landon Ash and Extreme Concepts coming in in an ownership capacity I think is going to be really cool. They're going to have a direct technical alliance with Joe Gibbs Racing, and they want to be here full-time. Their goal is to build this team and make it a full-time team on the Cup Series level. Landon's motivated. He's I, I feel like he's doing it the right way, surrounding himself with great people, and I think it's going to be a great thing for Jeffrey Earnhardt. Okay, so real quick here, um, before we cut out for, for the break, Quick round the table, 10, 15, 20 seconds. Question from the chat, Jonathan Heitzman. So do you think all the full-time JR uh, Junior Motorsports drivers will be in the playoffs this year? Jacob, yes or no? Considering Michael and Nett's already in, and I think uh, the other two are easily going to win their way in. Yes, absolutely, I R do. Randy. Yeah, I, like he said, if Michael and Nett can make it in, who says that Noah Gregson and obviously Justin Allgaier will make it in? So, yeah, I say yes. Three yeses, and I do believe that you'll see the eight car in victory lane before the year is out as well. Brett Guzik also pointing out that now four Earnhardt's have led at Daytona, which is yes. kind of interesting. So when you think about it, with that, we step aside. When we come back, more of the Stock Car Show. We talk trucks in our next segment. C.J. Leary coming up. USAC Hot Shoe shortly as well. You're, you're listening to and or watching the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders of motorsport safety. We shall return. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444, Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Is your job sucking the life out of you? Wake up! 
you can do something else. Information technology. I know what you're thinking, but I'm not a math and science person. No problem and no excuses because it's not rocket science. It's my computer career. Go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. You could start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Mycomputercareer.edu. That's mycomputercareer.edu. The Performance Motorsports Network is a compilation of shows about motorsports. From technical to controversial to just fun, everything you like about racing and gearhead stuff is right here on one internet channel. The Performance Motorsports Network. Tell your friends about it. Hi, I'm Reed Sorensen. Racing has been a part of me and my family for as long as I can remember. I had to make tough choices early on to get to the top. It took hard work and dedication. But it's those tough choices that help me prepare for challenges I would face as a cup driver. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Air Force. Hi, I'm Timmy Salamito, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. We're back. Second hour of the Stock Car Show. Commences to commence in Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, Randy Miller, and Chris Murdoch. And uh, thanks to our friends at HMS Motorsport, the leaders of motorsport safety, uh-huh. for, um, for, for being a part of this show. And we talked in our chat, uh, and we mentioned right at the last segment, Brad Guzik saying that four hearts have led at Daytona. And then while we were on break, we he thought he was wrong in the Facebook chat. Um, well, he led at Talladega, and then, yeah, yeah, as Bre- it turns out, Jacob. Yeah, Brett Brett thought he was wrong, and then he wasn't actually wrong. He thought he was wrong, but he was wrong. <laughs> yeah, he was wrong about being wrong. <laughs> Kerry Earnhardt he gets for did, in fact, lead one lap in his NASCAR National Series career at Daytona International Speedway. The opening lap of the 2005 season at Daytona, driving for uh, Billy Ballou with Richie Waters as his crew chief in the truck that later went to Kyle Busch Motorsports as the 51. And with that, that brings us nicely into our uh, analysis of the truck race on Friday. It does. Um, <laughs> nice. Tr- Trivia question, Jacob. Without looking, can you name all the trucks that crashed out of Friday night's race? <laughs> I didn't think so. It, it, my response Neither to that I. is it, it would be easier to tell you the trucks that <laughs> finished. Crashed out, yeah. yeah. Uh, I can answer your question by telling you Austin Hill won. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, so yeah. There, let, let's be clear here. The truck series race was a mess. It was also entertaining as heck. And you know what? Somewhere, Shiggy Hattori, before he came into the media center last night, was uh, standing outside looking at the top of the scoreboard going, I knew there was a reason I hired this kid. I think you meant Friday night. but Friday yes. night. Uh, yeah, that, that night. And it's Wait, interesting. Whatever night. It's interesting when you think about this because – you look at the off season and we had so much going on with drivers going here and drivers going there and no bigger a bombshell was there than the announcement that your defending champion, Brett Moffitt is being punted out of the 16 car or 16 truck um, and being replaced by Austin Hill. And this is not disrespect to Austin Hill. It's just when you're the defending champion, you don't, 
really expect to hear um thank you have a nice day goodbye but yep. um the truth is that the dollars that austin hill brought were a little bigger than the dollars brett moffitt bought brought so um in comes austin brought. hill something like that in comes austin hill out goes brett moffitt who then boots johnny sauter out of the gms racing ride that he'd won championship with yeah and and then johnny sauter subsequently boots my aunt snyder out of the thor sport racing ride, ride that he won rookie of the year with and so out of all of that the last thing that you figured was going to happen was that austin hill was going to go to daytona and show everybody in the world Hey, you guys know absolutely nothing. <laughs> well, listen. Because I just beat I just beat Johnny and I beat Brett and I beat the rest of them too. Hey, listen. Good for you, Austin Hill. I believe I I have Austin and I are within about a month of being the same age. I've known Austin my entire You're making him old. Ouch. <laughs> Anyway, let's look in the mirror, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a relic. That's beside the point. I've known Austin my Register. entire media career and going all the way back to the time that he and I were kids and he was running in a bandolero at the summer shootout. Yeah. That's a ways back. Um, I've known Austin has talent. He just needs to get with the right people to show it. And I think Scott Zipidelli may just be the best thing that's ever happened yeah. to Austin Hill. Those two have clicked right away. And from the moment that truck set on top of the board in final practice for the truck race, uh, which was held on Thursday, I walked down there. I said to Austin, you feel pretty good right now, don't you? He goes, well, it's either me or the truck. And I like to think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, to go out and do what he did Friday night, not only is a massive confidence booster, it's validation that it wasn't just Brett Moffat willing that team to a championship last year. It's validation that everything that Shiggy Hattori has built since he came into NASCAR years ago is finally paying dividends and is finally reaching a level that it can take a, dri a, a talented driver, I'm not specifying anybody here, but take a talented driver, go out, and win races. Well, I don't, I don't believe this is just a plate track thing. I believe they will continue to show speed. I Well, I think they will as well. And, Randy, I, I, I think that every once in a while you get a team that just has a run that is unexplainable and it's also – at least partially unstoppable. I, and, you know, Brett Guzik in our chat pointing out that team is still on an amazing role. It is one of these roles, Randy, where, They've you know, they just can't do anything wrong right now. That's right. That, that's very true. <clears throat> you, you know, and it, it, it kind of, it's kind of unfair to Austin Hill because people are going to think, Oh, well, it's the team. It's the truck. It's the, you know, the crew, it's the whoever, instead of being the driver, and that's an unfair thing to say because, I mean, yes, it's Daytona. Anything can happen. There are a lot of trucks that wreck. There's a lot of things that I don't want to say gave Austin Hill the win. He obviously no, deserved even it, and, before, he, and he earned it. Even before the big one, Randy, right. he was are, out front. Right. People are going to talk for, for, you know, months and months and months unless he wins five, six, seven, eight races. And, you know, even then they're probably going to say, oh, well, it's still, you know, the truck. Because people people have such a such a mirror image of what they see, and they see – that that's the truck that won the championship with. Right. It doesn't matter who you put in. You could put, right. you know, Joey Logano in the truck, and, and people are still going, oh, it's, you know, it's the truck. It's the truck. It's the team that well, won. But 
people need to give Austin Hill more credit than that because yes. obviously, you know, as much adversity as, as he went through getting that ride, he's proving to him himself and, you know, everybody in, that loves NASCAR that, you know, he's not just another driver on the block. He's just as good as some of these other guys are. Well, and, and we're, we're going to be looking for him right up in the front of the field again this weekend at Atlanta. Abs- I don't think oh, by the way, it's his home track, too. Yes. well, and, and, From and nearby Winston, a, Georgia. A good incentive, obviously, oh, yeah. to perform well. Is, you better believe it. You know, it. when you go to your home track off a win at Daytona, um, you know, he has the, the momentum right now, and I, and I think that's really where, um, you know, where we're going to see him go out and, and be very relaxed mm-hmm. and, and very uh, – energetic over the weekend because he's he's going to have a little extra skip in his step because he just won the biggest race that you can win in the truck series mm-hmm. and when you you look at that race I mean obviously everybody's going to remember the wrecks and and the fact that it was a nine car race uh-huh. but there again some real performances in this race Austin Hill getting credit for the win of course uh but I don't think you can count out Grand M Finger no, in the second, finger. and I think Ross Chastain and Spencer Boyd finishing third and fourth deserve a whole bunch of credit because yes, the Rex helped them move up, but both of them were fast during the race and and survived to finish in the top five. I thought each did a great job with teams that aren't yes. supposed to Please, be up there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, excuse me. You, the, Nice Motorsports would slap you. They've been up there. That, that's not typical for Nice Motorsports they to finish, finish top on the ten, podium. On the podium, maybe the not. Podium. They've been top five and top ten a couple on of times. On the podium. It's okay. not typical for Nice so, okay. Motorsports. So, spe- Their connection to GMS <clears throat> helps. Oh, yes, it does. I think that was proof that their yeah. alliance with GMS is already paying dividends. Yes. Now, please hold for a second while I offer my Gold Star Award for Speed Weeks. Because I have one driver who absolutely had the speed weeks of his life. He was in four races during Daytona speed weeks. I don't think there was a nick on any of his three race vehicles. Third in the truck race Friday night. A stage win, and if not for single file, should have been easily a top 10 or top 5 in the Xfinity race on Saturday. 15th was not indicative of how he ran all day. And a top 10 in the Daytona 500. Ross Chastain gets my overachiever, hard worker, stay out of trouble, whatever you want to call it (laughs) award. He did everything everything right he did not cost any of his three team owners a dime this weekend and he rolled three spotless race cars back into the trailer over four days how many times can you say you've been to daytona as a driver run in four straight races and not torn something up that is unheard of Zero, because I've never driven at Daytona. Okay, Randy. not you. It was a rhetorical question. <laughs> Come on now. Well, you you should have played the lottery right after yeah. that. Ross, hey, Ro- Ro- maybe Ross should play the lottery. He should. He, he was the only, I mean, one of the only drivers that didn't have anything on their yes. car when they left exact, Daytona. Yes, so. he was one of only nine trucks that finished the Xfinity race. and he Or uh, Xfinity race, the truck race, sorry. Uh, truck. Uh, my brain's tired. I'm sorry, guys. Um, one of nine trucks to finish that race Friday night. 
and he was one of only three cars in the Daytona 500 to not be involved in some sort of incident somewhere along the way, aside from the 11 and the A little 18. bit of luck plays into that, Oh, a little bit of luck but, played into that, uh, yeah. yeah. but there's, there's drivers that have, you know, ran Daytona for 20 years and have never not been in an accident. Yeah, <laughs> correct. I just wanted to give Ross some props, yeah. uh, major props, on a job well done during Speed Week. Spencer Boyd as well, fourth for Young's Motorsports, yes. was huge for him. The guy, who, though, who has not gotten credit, who, God bless him, had the run, had the run of his life in sixth, <laughs> was Josh Rayum, yep. who gets out of his truck, looks at me and goes, I get to talk to somebody? <laughs> he, th he, he thought that was the coolest thing ever, and I thought it was great. That's a family team, uh, Rayum Brothers Racing, so for him to get a great run of it. Um, nice Motorsports had a great run all the way around, third with Chastain and seventh for Timothy Peters. Um, Angela Roosh in eighth. Uh, second best finish by a female in the history of the truck series behind only Jennifer Joe Cobb. She Cobb. did a nice job. She too. did a nice job. The, her, her biggest frustration during the race was, uh, as she explained to us afterwards, that she didn't know how to fuel save. Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting. We skipped Matt Crafton in fifth. I'm sorry, I um, didn't mean to skip Matt. Well, don't a, skip Matt Crafton. This a, is the best run he's had yeah, in a year. Yeah, he's a two-time champ. Sorry, I didn't <laughs> mean to. I, the, and then Austin Self and Stuart Friesen rounding out the top ten. And Friesen was out of the race in tenth. Yeah, um, nine trucks finishing that one. Um, Clay Greenfield showing well. Uh, earlier in the race and ended up in a uh, He always accident. shows well at Daytona. And Bobby Gerhardt had a really nice run, I thought. Was running too, fourth with, uh, on, the the second, on the second to last restart. Yeah, yeah. eight-time ARCA winner. Yeah, so uh, a very interesting. I thought, honestly, I thought, despite all the crashes, I thought the truck race was mm -hmm. an interesting race. Hey, and guess it, what? None of the three races this weekend ended under caution. Thank God for small <laughs> favors. Sorry, um, I, I I just wanted to throw that out there be, because I hate that when that happens. It never, it just the, the race just gets permanently suspended. Um, but uh, certainly a uh, fantastic truck race, and congratulations mm -hmm. again to a very happy and deserving winner of that one. When we come back, we are going to chat with C.J. Leary as we break temporarily from the coverage of Daytona and Speed Weeks. I guess this is still part of Speed Weeks because he won at Bubba Raceway Park down there in Florida. Jacob yes. was there, Jacob and CJ, and we'll all talk to him um, in just a moment. Back with more of the Stock Car Show right after this. How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Whew. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. 
Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes. On Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. How to deal with someone who says that's so gay. Outsmart them. This party is, like, so gay. Totally. Excuse me, but did you ladies know the word gay used to mean happy or excited? Then it became a word used to describe gay people. Then somehow it came to mean dumb or stupid, which is how you just used it, which is not very nice. Ew, that guy is on the football team and super smart, and he totally hates us now. Totally. When you say that's so gay, do you realize what you say? Knock it off. Learn more at thinkbeforeyouspeak.com. Hey, this is Garrett Smithley, driver of the number nothing Chevrolet for JD Motorsports, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety, and also by my computer career training for a better life. And uh, speaking of better lives, C.J. Leary's life got better on Saturday night after he uh, went to Bubba Raceway Park his first weekend with a brand new team and went out and picked up the checkered flag. And now he is on the Race Chaser Hotline. We welcome him to the Stock Car Show. I know that sounds like sort of an oxymoron, but uh, we, we just break for a little bit to talk open wheel every now and then on this show and we love it when we can cj welcome to the program and congratulations on a big win that must have felt extra good being as it was a brand new team fresh out of the box for you yeah thanks guys uh thanks for having me on um we had high expectations when uh, me and andy put this this team together about two months ago and uh me and david davy jones we uh spent a lot of hours out two weeks ago before we came down for the winter dirt games on building that car everything came together like last minute so uh to go down to florida and uh kick off the season off with a six a second a w it's uh, pretty special so i didn't actually get a chance to ask you this on saturday night cj and it um it's one of those things that kind of popped in my in my head after the fact uh you know how big a factor for you has it been in getting acclimated with with Andy Reinbold and this whole 19AZ team to have been able to bring Davey with you from what was your family car last year over now to this new situation and basically just keep right on clicking? Well, I think uh, I think it's really cool because uh, obviously Davey was with me half the season last year on my family 30 car and uh andy's deal is not a whole lot different it's a family operated based team and i I love that you know he brings his his, uh his wife and his kids to the racetrack and he's there to have a good time and win races and um i felt like uh to come out of the gate kind of swinging um 
it really gave Andy a good sense of feeling that he picked the right two guys to start a, uh, a championship-winning team with. I know it's not you know 90-something races like what we see with the World of Outlaws, but is there still a lot to be said even for the USAC National Sprint Car Series with the, the driver-crew chief relationship and really specifically the, the relationship that you and Davey have, have built here over the past six, eight months? Yeah, I mean, um, driver crew chief is huge. Um, whenever you can bring someone in that you have a lot of fun with on and off the racetrack, uh, I definitely think it helps the driver's confidence. And um, whenever we can come in off the racetrack, we can just kind of give each other that look. Um, and we both know what we're wanting. Uh, I think that's huge, you know. So we don't have to kind of fight each other on what we want to do with the race car and our shock package is the same. And we just... Like I said, we click so well together. I think that's part of our success. And um, he's been around a long time. He's been with a lot of, of big operations, and I think that's helped also give me some uh, some advice on what I should do with certain things. So, like I said, he's a big part of my my team. Talk a little bit about racing at Bubba, and especially uh, this Winter Dirt X Games uh, situation, because of course, part of Florida Speed Weeks and you know, if you can't find something as a race fan in that area that you like to watch, then I don't know what you're looking for. But uh, you got about everything there but Formula One. What's it like to be down in Florida this time of the year um, and and racing at Bubba Raceway Park? I, I think it would be really cool from a fan's standpoint. You know, you can be at Daytona during the day at the big track, and then at night you can choose from either Volusia or uh, o- Ocala there at Bubba's or uh, East Bay on the other side of the state and you can watch pretty much like you said anything you want and uh, uh, hats off to Bubba for, for having the midgets down this year and um, putting on some good racing all across the board you know whether it was wing sprint cars, midgets, um, late models and uh, obviously the non-wing sprint cars he uh, he gave us a pretty good track every night um, but like I said it's just it's huge for us racers to get to come down there and um, compete in Sunshine State, like you said, during Speed Week. So yep. just, just blessed to be able to get to do that. I know it's two different race cars, but you, you've done the Winter Dirt Games before down in Ocala. Did you feel like having the extra track time, the extra weekend with the midget, um, was a help at all when you uh, got into the three days of racing with the sprint car that you already at least had a little bit of an idea what the track was going to do? Um, definitely, um, getting that extra bit of laps, you know, this was, I think my sixth or seventh year running at Bubba's with the sprint car, but getting those extra laps the week before, and, uh, we even got to hot lap the sprint car with the midgets, uh, that Thursday night. And I think that, that helped me get a mindset on what we need to do to the sprint car for this following week. Um, just gave us an idea, some, some food for thought, and, uh, we made some adjustments that week while I was racing the midget, um. Just to kind of, I don't know, just process the new car and the new team, the new engine package. Just, just trying to get acclimated with everything. Cause it was quite a bit different than what I was running last year with my own team. But um, Andy Reinbold, I mean, he let us build a top-notch race car. Everything on that, either carbon fiber, titanium. It's super lightweight, and uh, the motor ran great all weekend. So I can't say enough for him for letting me and him build a car like that. So. I've heard a lot of drivers mention over the years that the Florida swing really doesn't have a lot of bearing on what you guys do when you get into the stretch run of the season. How unique is 
the track and racing at Bubba Raceway Park compared to what you guys are more used to when you get into the meat of the schedule up in the Midwest? You know, everybody always says when you go to Florida, you forget it at the St. Line on the way home, <laughs> uh, whatever you learn. But, um, you know, the racetrack this year, I think it was relatively slicker than it had been in years past. And I heard a lot of guys was chasing just being loose or free all night. And, um, you know, we were working with a new package, so we really didn't know where our our baseline was. So um, I'm excited to get started here in Indiana and kind of get a, a feel for what this car is going to be like on our standard racetrack. But um, alongside of the stand, on the standing go, um, with USAC now, everybody's so close. The, the points get so close. Last year it came down to, uh, to right, there at the, the right there at the last race. So... Um, when you get behind in the points, it's just so hard to, to overcome that. So I think mm-hmm. being right there, I mean, we're the point leader, but obviously it's a long season. But I think um, having that point lead is key. Yeah, and, and to get the point lead, obviously the win Saturday night kind of pushed that over the top for the three races. Take us back to that pass for the lead there about midway through the feature Saturday night because racing Robert Ballou I know is an art form that uh, you you, you kind of have to pick your battles and you picked a really good battle to uh, to go out there just made a power move to get the job done were, were there any nerves or had you shaken all that off at that point um I was a little nervous starting next to Robert there on the, the front row more than anything um me and him had had a, a really dedicated battle on the first night, and I don't think neither one of us was too happy with each other after the race was over. But um, you just got to take Robert with a grain of salt, and um, <laughs> you just kind of got to go race by race. I mean, we have to race each other 50, 60 times a year, and, um, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to run into each other at some point again, so... I mean, I just don't want to hear it when I run into him. But exactly. anyway, that <laughs> that pass for lead, it was it was super clean as textbook, and uh, we just drove off. I knew we had a better race car there once the racetrack uh, came to us. But uh, like I said, it was just it was our night. It was mm-hmm. I felt like I gave one away on the second night when it took rubber, and uh, we got into lap traffic. I felt like that was all me, but. Uh, to come back the third night and cap it off with a win, that was really special. You talked about it a bit with me on Saturday night. Uh, what kind of a statement is this, that not only does this team come out and get a win in Florida, but you come to Indiana, your home state, with the championship lead? Um, I think it's huge for Andy. You know, this is his first year on the tour with uh, the USAC National Sprint Cars. Um, to go to Florida and kick it off with, with a good weekend like we did, I think that's that's saying something for the state of Arizona. Um, like I said, he's, this is his first year, and to go down there and win, and uh, like I said, he picked two good guys that have had experience down there, and and um, we just we just need some more laps with this new with this new race car, and I think that'll uh, really determine on how the rest of our season goes. But our confidence is high, and um, we just want to go racing. So uh, Andy's going to fly us out. For the the race at Casa Grande in Arizona on the second um, March second there, so we'll get us wow. get some more mm-hmm. some more racing in. So I'm I'm really excited about that. So we've got just a couple minutes left in this segment, and, uh, but I want to ask your perspective um, and if you can speak on it a little bit. But what you know what what was the spark that got all this together uh, and, and got 
Andy convinced that now was the right time to to make a stab at the national tour? You know, it was it was honestly uh, it was a little a little different. Um, I was actually sitting on the beach in uh, Ventura waiting to run Turkey Night after uh, after the ovals, and um, a buddy of mine, Jeff, had called me and said that uh, Andy might be interested in running the full schedule next year, and I ought to call him. And you know, I, I really didn't know if I was interested because I didn't know what Andy's deal was, and I knew what my own deal was with, with my family. And uh, so I called him up and see what he was wanting to do, and, and you know, everything just clicked. You know, I have a shop here in Indy, and I, I can take care of everything here, and um, it just everything just fell in place. It really did. And like I said, I can't thank him enough for what he's done for me and my family. So um, just really hoping to put the championship together for him. I know he's really wanting one, and I've been trying for seven years now, so this would be really cool for us. Well, let's hope that uh, that's the result, CJ, and we would look forward to chatting with you again as you get a little further into your season. We wish you the best, and we appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your evening to chat with us here on the Stock Car Show. Uh, like I said, thanks, guys, for having me on here. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure. That is C.J. Leary, and you're listening to Race Chaser Radio and the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You can find them on the web at hmsmotorsport.com. We'll be right back with more from Daytona right after these words. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speeds, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes on Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, Camping World Truck, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Schubert Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS has the right product for your type of racing and your budget. Their representatives are experts on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the HMS staff is always ready to take the time to help you find the right product for your safety needs. 
Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. Hi, this is John Andrasik of Five for Fighting, here for RAD, the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You know, style is a personal thing, and your lifestyle is your business. But if you take it on the road, it becomes everybody's business. So please, plan ahead, designate before you celebrate. Friends, don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Cole Custer, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show. And hey, for those of you who may be looking for a career change or something different to do, I will throw an interesting stat out there for you. There are right now over 2 million cybersecurity jobs unfilled in this country. And so a good opportunity presents itself from mycomputercareer.edu. My Computer Career can teach you and prepare you to become an IT professional in as little as four months. Two to three times a week, either at one of their seven campuses, or you can do it online, mycomputercareer.edu. Just go take the free career evaluation. You could be working in one of those cybersecurity jobs in as little as four months my Computer Career works with employers. They also have financial aid available, uh, including the GI Bill for those who are eligible. So easy way to get involved here and make a big change in your life. It's not rocket science. It's My Computer Career. Just go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation test and see if you want to pursue a career in IT and possibly fill one of the many vacant jobs that we have in that field. And we continue with the show and we go back to Daytona because we've got a few leftovers here, I feel like, from the 500 to uh, to talk about here, guys. And, and one of them, uh, somebody actually mentioned in our chat, David Molding, uh, keeping an eye on our show uh, on Facebook Live tonight and says, hey, let's hear about Priest. Well, you know what? Doggone it. Ryan Priest deserves some props because I'm going to tell you that young racer in his first race with JTG Doherty. First cup race, period. Yes, but brand new team, brand new series. He goes out and, you know, the old phrase, he hit everything but the pace car. Ryan Priest didn't hit a doggone thing. No, he didn't. <laughs> I mean, all these he, cars uh, around him crashing, and he I somehow felt, missed them I all. I felt like Ryan Great had. For him. I felt like Ryan had a halo around his car, that, yeah. or a bubble that just prevented you, him from getting hit thought. by anything all race long. And I'll tell you what: the move he made to fire through the apron at about 160 oh, miles know. an hour during the first I, big I, one and not get collected was he looked at me after the race with eyes wide when I brought it up. He said, I basically just pointed the wheel straight and hoped. Yeah. It's... And it worked out. I mean, he avoided two wrecks by the skin of his teeth. That's one of those where your spotter just goes, good luck. <laughs> Pretty much. But, you know, what for me, eighth doesn't even belie how close Ryan no. Priest was. No, no. He was third on the last lap of the Daytona 500. Yep. 
And if, you know, as he mentioned after the race, he said, I, I was really kicking myself because if I had not stayed so committed to Joey and focused on where there were a couple runs coming from, I really think I could have won the Daytona 500. And that was striking for me, just that he already knew from watching the replay on the big screen once or twice, you know, started to see some of the things he could have done better. But quickly, he was very quick to reference the fact that this, you know, remember where he came from. He, yeah. that was, he said it to Steve Post of MRN Radio. This one's for the grassroots racers. This one is for everybody who doesn't believe that their dream can come true. It can. I'm proof our dreams started to come true today. Yeah, well, and he's going to bear watching. He and Chris Bush are both as we go forward into Atlanta with this new package. Mm -hmm. I think that team's going to bear watching. Now, I want to reset the table here oh, a little please. bit. Just so that we can... Uh, kind of hit some of these other drivers that are worth some discussion we talked about the jgr top three denny hamlin kyle bush eric jones joey logano we yeah. talked about finishing well, fourth can, can i just mention eric jones's rally from the fuel pressure fuel pump whatever that was that put him back sure. a lap or two in the final laps that rally like i said it where did he come from literally you watch him he looks like he shot out of a cannon coming yeah. off turn four to the line that run was impressive i just wanted to reference that he was down and out you know with 25 to go and there he was as if divine intervention uh -huh. michael mcdowell finishing in fifth we talked about him earlier ty dylan here's a guy i i had i had watched him in an interview i think it was on friday somewhere i saw an interview with ty where he said that he felt like in the race that this was going to be an opportunity for him to get up and contend for the win Finished sixth. I mean, again, Ty just, he did a nice job during the race, kept himself fairly clean, and had a nice run. Another team I'm going to keep my eye on as we go into Atlanta this weekend. Kyle Larson finishing up in seventh. Priest finishing eighth. Jimmy Johnson ninth. And as Jacob alluded to earlier, here's Ross Chastain in the Premium Motorsports number 15. Finishing up in tenth. And a driver that I thought was going to have a good shot at a much better finish, Alex Bowman, only ends up 11th. Um, which well, that's because he was involved in two of the three yeah, big ones. Uh, which, again, doesn't show. Uh, we talked about William Byron a little earlier, but I thought Bowman was easily as impressive as was Jimmy Johnson for most of the race. Absolutely. Um, and I, I want to throw in a mention here. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know, Corey LaJoy has the, uh, I'm going to use the Greek word hubris uh, to put his face on the hood of the car. And well, it then, wasn't his idea. And then proceeds to, well, he had to approve it. And, and then proceeds to go out and get into a crash and just a flurry of face jokes. Uh, resulted from this. I don't think this. it was even a crash. I think he blew a right front yeah, tire that's that what ripped it, was. it yeah. apart. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, talking about that'll leave a scar, that'll leave a bruise. It, you know, um, you shaved the right shaved side. Shaved the right side. Yeah, there were all kinds of. I thought that was really uh, 
thought that was really fun, and 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 it was a great promotion. Whoever thought of it, of course, yeah. we, old we kid with old, Corey. Old, yeah, but. Old Spice came up with that. By okay, the way. so uh, Old Spice. Oh, I don't know that it's going to be that way all year. I no, 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 no. That was just uh, a Daytona 500 thing. Corey said he absolutely would not approve it for the entire year because he couldn't look at himself that much. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, you know, he definitely, uh, as Brett Guzik says, would always finish in top twenty with half a face. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's be clear. Uh, Parker Kligerman finished 15th after getting hit by everything but the pace car. Oh, I so. know. There's another driver who, you know what? God bless him. And he's running the first three races. He'll run Atlanta and Vegas for Marty Gaunt, by the way. Yes. Yes. And and uh, I think that's great. Parker Parker adds some energy to any race that he's in. As so. did Brendan Gaunt on Sunday. Yes. Uh, well, and you know what? Let's go back just for a minute and talk about that duel between Brendan Gaughan and Joey, and Joey Gase. Gase in My the duel God. for the transfer spot all by themselves on the track, side by side for, for what, three, four, laps. was it 15? Was that many lifts? Oh yeah. Oh, my gosh. They were side by side for a good bit of that yeah. race, and it was just a joy to watch. It was. That was two drivers who wanted nothing more than to make the Daytona yep. 500 and was willing to do whatever it took to put on a, not just a show for the fans, but to make the Daytona 500. Well, and it was neat to see two cars Side by side else that run, Yeah, being yeah. able to run side by side. I mean, don't if we, we had wish wrecked, If that, we had wrecked would... any more trucks, I think that would have been what you'd seen in the final, if we'd had another overtime attempt. Yeah, probably. But uh, certainly a great, great run for, for both of those guys in that duel in a spirited battle. And that's what, to me, what racing's all about. It's fun to see that yes. now and again. Um, as yeah. you know, when you, when you, when you go through a race like that, you're all watching the hot dogs, but it's the guys in the middle and, and the guys in the back yep. that are scrambling just to get in the race that really make oh, yes. the duels what they are. Yes. And then to go back to Sunday, got guys who overachieved in junk, not junk, but junk as in wrecked race cars. Kyle Larson finished seventh oh, gosh, with a yes. car that looked like it had been through the trenches yeah. and got taken out by his dirt buddy, Ricky Stenhouse. Sorry, yeah. Ricky. You yeah. screwed up again. Uh. Well, and despite that, he finished 13th. Ricky? Ricky. Yeah. Kyle yeah. finished seventh, and Kyle said afterwards, I have no idea how we finished seventh. I will throw another name into this who didn't finish well just because of circumstance. Oh, but, but I had another one who did finish well. Well, we'll get to that. Okay. Uh, I want to throw in Ryan Newman in the Wienermobile. Aw. Because all week long, that car was pretty fast. It was. I mean, that's he that fin- was kind of he, fun to did see, he actually. he finish 14th? He finished, uh, where was he? 14th. Yeah, he did finish 14th. He wasn't yeah. terrible. Yeah. He no. was right there with Ricky yeah. at the end. Yep. Just a heck of Austin. Dude. Yeah, and then the the guy, the other guy who got an inexplicable top ten with an absolutely destroyed race car. <laughs> I I still don't even know how they fueled the dang thing. Jimmy Johnson, Johnson yeah. after being involved in the most bizarre crash I've ever seen in my life. Uh, at Daytona International Speedway. Cody Ware and needed GoBowling.com as a sponsor because he hit every pin on that alley. He got out of shape, and literally there were five cars there. He bowled <laughs> through every one of them. It yeah, was unbelievable. Yeah, after he, yeah, it started with his teammate, by the way, yeah. DJ McLeod, yeah. and, and it ended with Tyler Reddick ramping over Jimmy Johnson's left rear quarter panel, ripping Jimmy Johnson's left rear quarter panel clean off and leaving the fuel the fuel nozzle like 
Yeah, just hanging out there. Yeah, it, but it was just amazing to watch Cody. He believe, hit yeah. every car in that group. By the way, the improper fueling penalty that Jimmy Johnson got put him two laps down. He made up two laps and still finished ninth. So yeah. bravo seven times. Yeah. You know what? It wasn't the way he wanted to get a good start to Speed Weeks, but I feel like this is some momentum for Jimmy Johnson going to one of his best racetracks. And I feel like had it not been for that damage, he and his teammate William Byron were in position to challenge for the win in that Daytona 500. Yeah. And that's a big statement because it's something that we've not said in quite a while. By the way, I made the boingy noise. And I just want to say, Kyle Busch, I may not always agree with everything you do or everything you say, but dude... Your sound effects in the Sunday night post-race press conference were absolutely <laughs> on point. Bravo, sir. Bravo. And with that, we step step aside to let you all research that on the Internet. Oh, please. When it's great. When we come back, we will have our lightning round, and this should be some fun. We'll be back with more of the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. Find them on the web at HMSMotorsport.com. Back in a minute. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. Here at Lewis Meineke, we're more than just your average car care center. Hey, it's Dave, your neighbor from Lewis Meineke. Whether you need an oil change, brakes, tires, or anything under the hood, we've got you covered. Take advantage of our free check engine light service as well. Yes, free. And don't forget about our free shuttle service. Never stress, we'll take care of the rest. On with life. Give us a call at Lewis Meineke, 302-827-2054. Is your job sucking the life out of you? Wake up. You can do something else. Information technology. I know what you're thinking, but I'm not a math and science person. No problem and no excuses. Because it's not rocket science. It's my computer career. Go to mycomputercareer.edu and take the free career evaluation today. You could start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Mycomputercareer.edu. That's mycomputercareer.edu. Do you love the sound of high-revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels new to intermediate to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always. 
Lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. I'm Kaz Grala, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Hello again, one more time, as we hit our white flag segment, otherwise known as the lightning round here on the Stock Car Show. Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, and behind the glass with Chris Murdoch and Randy Miller, and I uh, want to take a moment to thank uh, Kyle Souza, who jumped on with us in the beginning of the show to help us talk Daytona. We appreciate Kyle being on and also CJ Leary from the USAC Sprint Division, who was on with us just a few minutes ago. Okay, guys, so lightning round. I'm going to take a minute here. Instead of going backwards, I want to look forward. Oh, yes, absolutely. As we start our lightning round, here's what I want to do. I want to start this. First of all, we're going to pick each division for Atlanta. Um, but I want to talk about who's going to, first of all, who's going to be the biggest surprise in the cup race at Atlanta. Jacob. The same guy who was the biggest surprise in the Daytona 500, Matt DiBenedetto. Okay. So you're thinking that uh, even with... It's not a fluke. Without the plate, Matt DiBenedetto yes. contends. Randy Absolutely. Miller? Darn you, Jacob. Um, he just I, likes saying DiBurrito. I, I do. Um, but <laughs> he's also a friend of mine. Um, I, I'm going to go with Ryan too. Priest because, you know... I, He's another guy that finished really high at Daytona. I think he's on a roll right now, so I'll pick Ryan Priest. Okay. Um, I, my, fr- my first instinct when I thought about this question was actually to say Jimmy Johnson. Oh, my God. And, and not, not, because, not, because, not because it's unusual for Jimmy to be strong in Atlanta, but because he's just had such a horrible time of it for the last year <laughs> and a half um, that, you know, him coming back and running well, but – you know, I do feel like, as you said in the last segment, Jacob, yeah. I feel like Jimmy Johnson and Kevin Mendering bonded during um, this this Daytona Speed Week, and I yes. think they're both renewed here. I think both Jimmy and William Byron have benefited greatly from that, that crew chief change that sent uh, – Checking house over to the 24 car. So I'm going to go with Jimmy Johnson as my, my big surprise to break out at Atlanta. Okay, now we go first to the truck series at Atlanta. And that race, actually, I think it's the second race on yes, Saturday. Yes, it They're is. They're doing it in reverse it's, order for some they, strange they, Well, no, they've always done that. Why? Because trucks ending under the lights is just better. Okay. So uh, who wins the truck race at Atlanta? Jacob Seelman? Wow. Todd Gilliland. Because he was gonna win he was gonna win at the last mile and a half uh or that wasn't Homestead last year, and I, I think he gets the job done. I say Todd I Gilliland. think Todd Gilliland has been going to win He's due. about eight times now, and he just hasn't yet. It's not R- his fault. I didn't say it was. I feel bad for him. Randy, are you going to support Todd Gilliland, or are you going with someone else? Well, I'm going to support Todd Gilliland, but I'm not picking him. Um, I, <laughs> not enough to pick him. I, I think I think the 16 is going to keep going. I'm going to say Austin Hill is going to win two in a row. Oh, wow. okay. The, uh, I will say Hattori's the defending winner of the Atlanta Truck Race. 
Brett Guzik says Ben Rhodes in our chat is going to win the truck race. It wouldn't surprise me, but I'm actually going with Todd Gilliland's teammate, Harrison Burton. Burton. Okay. The, yep. Harrison Burton going to get the win wow. in the truck race. And I, it wouldn't surprise me if he and Todd were dueling right down to the wire. I think that's going to be um, an interesting battle to watch all year between those two because they always end up around each other. They have since K&N. Okay. Uh, moving on to the Xfinity race. Randy Miller, I'll start with you this time. Who wins the Xfinity race in what? Atlanta? Kevin Harvick is not entered. <laughs> no. Thank so, God. So you can Start take the field. Off. Right. Yes. No. Um, <laughs> but you got to pick one. He got a stage win at Daytona, so I'm picking Justin Haley. Ooh. Oh. Wow. Okay. That's an wow. interesting. Uh, That's a big. Pollock looked fast at Daytona. So, Look, I mean, Randy's all, the same guy who picked Matt De Benedetto. And he was, and he was close. that close. And was this yeah. close. You're and not so going to I'm not going to disrespect Randy's picks anymore. Nope. Uh, Jacob. Hang, uh, just bear with me for two seconds. Oh, you're, Jacob's going to go to stats here. No, I'm not. No, I'm not going to stats. I'm not. I'm not going to stats. I need the entry list. I, I know who I'm picking. I needed to look at the preliminary entry list to make sure of of who all's here. And Chris is taking my pick from Daytona, Christopher Bell. Yeah, Chris Bell, and what he's got that? Alfredo, huh? Anthony Alfredo in the truck race. Okay, hey. that's like that's that's like a ten mile limb there. His yes. first ever truck race. Uh, I I believe in Anthony. It's like Michael and that winning the Oh wait, no, he's been yeah. around for many years. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a bit of an interesting pick here. Um, it's not the driver who won on the most recent uh, traditional mile and a half track and the sister track to to Atlanta Motor Speedway. It's actually his teammate. I'll take Chase Briscoe to win the Xfinity <laughs> race. Yeah, because he studied game film from Kevin Harvick's domination no, last no, year. No, 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 no. I, his teammate that won on the sister track to Atlanta is not Kevin Harvick. It's Cole Custer. Well, who I did was so just saying that. Uh, but yes, Chase yeah, Briscoe studied car. game film from Kevin Harvick, yeah. and Chase Briscoe is going to use it to win on Saturday. Brett Guzik says Christopher Bell, one millimeter limb. He's about right. Um, I'm not picking any of those, actually, You're but I am Ryan going Priest. with. Uh, no, I'm actually. Is Ryan Priest in Ryan the, Priest is in the eight. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, I'm still not picking Ryan Priest as much as I'd love to see him win. I'm actually picking his teammate then. Noah Gregson. Noah Gregson gets his first Xfinity Series and win. And JRM goes two in a row, and according JRM to you, to start the season. In a row. So, I, here, here's, my, here's my two cents on somebody to watch during Saturday's Xfinity race at Atlanta. Keep a very close eye on Tyler Reddick because I believe that Richard Childress Racing, with their focus on one Xfinity car now, is going to be very dangerous this season. And I'm going to be interested to see Reddick away from a plate track. We know RCR's Speedway yeah. cars are always really good. If he comes out of the box strong this weekend, look out for the champ to go back-to-back -back potentially before this year's over. Okay. Cup Series on Sunday at Atlanta. I will go with uh, Randy first because I can Oh, man. Um, okay, <laughs> well, since I, I'm not going to pick Matt Benedetto, although, <laughs> I mean. I wish. You know, if, the, if the iron's hot. Um, I'm actually going to pick Eric Jones because he finished fourth after all the bracket damage at Daytona, and I feel like JGR is going to come out just as strong as they were last year. So I'm going to go Eric Jones at Atlanta. All right. Uh, Jacob Seelman. New package. Complete unknown. Last time we came with a new package. Complete unknown. 
This guy won at Atlanta. He's going to do it again. 48, Jimmy Johnson. Okay, Jimmy for the win, according to Jacob. Uh, Chris Murdoch is taking the 10 of Eric Armadillo or Armadillo, whichever fits. <laughs> um, and I actually, it's, that's interesting, is Brett Guzik p- picked Brad Keselowski. Who has been very who good. Who has been very <laughs> good. But see, this new package, I believe, is going to scramble things considerably. I like scrambling. And I'm going to take a real flyer on this, only because I can. Daniel Hemrick. What? Daniel Hemrick wins on Sunday at Atlanta in the eight car. What Kool-Aid have you been drinking? It's a new package. I mean, I'm hoping anyways that it equalizes things enough for somebody like Hemrick to at least have a shot. I was going to pick William Byron again because he almost won me Daytona and because I think he's going to be up there. But I look at the guys who are who have run this package in the past and who are guys that really are good at tire wear. And I, and I start thinking about how Hemrick is a very kind of conservative kind of driver who knows how to manage a car. And I think in Atlanta, this package, the tire wear is going to be tremendous. And I just, I feel like there's an upset. I'm picking Hemrick to win it. There you go. Hey, I picked Trevor Bain in 2011. No, 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 that's, I'm, I'm not, I'm not shocked at you anymore. Well, all right. So Breaking news. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We have breaking news. I'm reading the entry list, and I'm so excited. Oh, I, no. I might be the only person that's actually noticed this yet. If I'm not, it's not been made a big enough deal yet on Twitter. Bubba Wallace has a new sponsor this weekend. Oh, boy. A new old sponsor. Not new to the sport, but new to the 43, and my gosh, this is cool. Richard Petty Motorsports has McDonald's. Um, Bubba Wallace's Chevrolet Camaro this weekend. I like that. So I love it. So Bubba's gonna be a Big Mac, or and so is Kyle Larson. I want to know how identical the paint schemes are, and if we're gonna have to pay close attention to tell them apart. Well, what's interesting is that's also forty-two and forty-three. I know. Which what's is really up with weird. that? Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> so one of them will be the Hamburglar, and the other one will be a clown. Um, yes. Hopefully, uh, neither one will turn the car into a 10-piece chicken McNugget before the race is over. I hope not. But uh, that's good. It's good to see. I mean, look, it, everybody I love knows it. that Richard Petty Motorsports has had a hard time with sponsors. So, um, McDonald's de- happy so, to see that. Uh, per Twitter, McDonald's deal with RPM and Bubba is separate from the CGR Larson Bush deal. Okay, so this should be interesting. And, uh, so, of course, we're hey, all going to be in Atlanta. So. Yes, we are all going to be in Atlanta. But guess what? The clock says the clock still says we have three minutes left. So. Oh, okay. Randy, <laughs> look, re- read the clock. I promise it won't lie to you. Okay, that's fine. Go ahead. So, Do your thing. I, I, I do, I do want to puzzle over this for a minute, shall we? Puzzle over yes, it? Yes, puzzle over this. Is this a jigsaw puzzle or a crossword puzzle? I don't or? know what it I don't know what kind of puzzle okay. it's going to be. But my Here's a puzzle. How close do you really think the racing's going to be to a Daytona Talladega style draft on Sunday? I have no idea. I mean, you know, I don't think it's going to be as alike as we think because of how bad the tires wear in Atlanta. I worry about this package guys because you worry i worry you beca- worry. because i i feel like one of two things is i don't feel like it's going to be okay it's either going to be 
unbelievably good, like we all, we enjoyed the All-Star race last year, we're going to say, wow, this was amazing, or it's going to stink. I, I'm just afraid Aww. that it's going to – I feel like this is this is going to be either feast or famine, and, you know, I don't know. I I hope it's good. I'm going in optimistic. I have faith in it. Um, we'll see. I think Atlanta is going to be different from some of the other tracks just because of yes. the tire wear. It's a Randy, grader. Randy, do you have faith? Of course. I always have faith. Always. But do you have faith in the package? Nah. No. <laughs> I, I do. I mean, you know, who really knows what's going to happen? As long as it makes the racing better and we don't sit here complaining every week about how crappy the races are, then I'm all for it. I hope it's good. I love Atlanta. I think I, I think the thing that makes Atlanta what it is, frankly, is the fact that the tires wear so much, and it's very much a strategy racetrack. Well, that's why I took the flyer with yeah. Hamrick. Brett Guzik says it'll be like Charlotte was for five laps. So what He's I'm probably thinking is right. five laps at a time in the beginning of the run with fresh tires. Yeah. But, see, I'm hoping that everybody's cars go to junk and you have to lift and you have yes. to use brakes and you have to hang good. on and, you know, work the wheel. And that's what it, that's what it's yes. all about. Oh, that. My, yes. My last tidbit, TV ratings were up almost 10% on the Daytona 500 Sunday. We have progress, people. Take actually, that. I think they were actually up on all all three series all yes. weekend long. Yes. So. TV ratings were up across the board. Mm -hmm. Take that, haters that say, NASCAR's dying. Yeah, You're wrong. Well, exactly. Wait till 21. Exactly. All right. Jacob, All right. Us out of here. For Tom Baker, Andy Miller, Chris Murdoch, I'm Jacob Seelman. Keep it off the wall, folks. And if you're headed to a racetrack, we might just see you there. Have a safe racing weekend. Good, Good night. night. You've been listening to the Stock Car Show on the Performance Motorsports Network. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit racechaseronline.com. The Stock Car Show is a copyrighted production of the Performance Motorsports Network. www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com. A member of the Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated and may not be rebroadcast, replicated, or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of PMN. Check out our Facebook page or our section on the PMN website. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, co-host, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the Stock Car Show returns on Thursday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, stay tuned for more great motorsports programming on the Performance Motorsports Network.